Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. I'm not so much going to teach and preach today as I'd like to just kind of share with you. Visit a while. Is that okay? There'll be some, te- I've got some things to teach. In fact, you can, if you want to, you can open up Ephesians chapter one. We'll, we'll get there in a little bit, uh, Lord willing. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I want to share a little bit today about a con- this concept of the body of Christ and how it's not just a figure of speech. Um, so often I think we throw that term around, body of Christ, body of Christ, body of Christ, you know, and we don't, we kind of lose focus that it's actually us. And we'll prove it out in the scripture real plainly as we go along here. But it's really us. And we, I think we lose sight of the fact that we are the body of Christ in the earth, and we think we, we, it's almost like we separate ourselves from Jesus, you know. But Jesus is the head, and we're the body. And that, I mean, it really, it, it really, really makes a difference. I mean, it's it's a it's a real important truth to really grasp and and let you know dig down, dig down into it, and and you know. And so, some of the things we're going to talk about are really, you know, just kind of the basics. Um, but I tell you what. Don't get tired of the basics. Don't get tired of the, of the fundamentals. Every time in my life when, when God circles me back around to, a, to something that's kind of fundamental or kind of basic, you know, it's like the first, first thought you get is like, oh, okay, I've been knowing that. I've been knowing that. You know, I've, I've studied that. I've seen that. You know, hey, every time I get focused by the Lord back on some of those basics, some of those fundamentals, I always end up at a higher level, you know, at, at a at a place like uh, Pastor Steve used to teach on the more of God. It's like I, I I come to a place of more of the more of God. Okay, just by going back to those basics, just by going back to those fundamentals. I remember when I was in high school, played a lot of sports, and we were typically really good. You know, but there would be times, like in football, we, we would lose a game, and every time we would lose, we'd get back in practice, and the coaches say, boys, we're going back to fundamentals. <laughs> you know, and so we would just get two lines and line up and just run into each other and, pra- you know, and practice tackling. You know, or we'd get real close together and practice blocking or getting, getting off a block, that kind of thing. So if we were in basketball, we'd be practicing on how to block people out. and I mean, just all the basic stuff would make us better. You know, and so don't don't get tired of the basics. But um, no, we we uh, I guess it was a I guess it was a couple of years ago, what year and a half or two years ago. A group of us, I just think there was five, maybe six of us. We went to see Pastor Steve uh, minister at a, a men's conference up in Bryan College Station, okay, up there in God's country. Um, <laughs> And so we 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 had we had about five or six of us that went up there, and and uh, of course Pastor Steve has always you know really brought the house down, and but he he had a phrase in this in this ser- sermon that he taught that night, and the phrase was, "Look 
for the table of the Lord. I don't remember if it was the title of his sermon or just a, you know, a point that he brought out in the sermon. He was Part of his text was the 23rd Psalm, you know, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. But that phrase, look for the table of the Lord, it just exploded on the inside of me. And I've had phrases like that or singular words like that throughout my Christian life that sometimes will just go off on the inside of me. And I, I call it X marks the spot because I, I'll, I'll just start digging. I mean, it's almost like it creates an instant spiritual hunger for me, okay? Around that, around that phrase, around that word, around that topic, around that concept or whatever, it just goes off. And so I just start digging. I mean, I'll get the word out and start looking at all the angles and just digging down to the bedrock, trying to find, you know, more things that the Holy Spirit wants to show me about that particular thing. And that's what happened when I heard this phrase that, that Steve, you know, Steve's always, he, he, he'll say it and it's true. He's a, he's a wordsmith and God will put anointing on that. And it was on that phrase. I don't know if it was for everybody else, but for me, it went off and all the way home. I was thinking, we were all talking, but I mean, I was thinking in my, it was just rolling in my, on the inside, just rolling. Look for the table of the Lord. Look for the table of the Lord. So I, of course, I started digging. I started digging. And as I did, I began to see a lot of, you know, a lot of different things. And I can't, I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I'm going to talk about some of them. Um, but as I, I started seeing things that were on the table of the Lord, okay? And I, I started seeing things that were not on the table of the Lord, okay? And as I, you know, as I went through that, I, I, uh, I mean, you can think, you know, you can you think about some of the ones that, you know, you would you would automatically know is on the table. But um, of course, one of the probably the main dish that I saw right off the bat was the holy written word of God. Okay, it was like the it was, it was like the main dish, and all the other dishes that were on the table was like came out of this, you know. And so don't, you know, I, th I think that we, we really need to be consumers of the, of the Word of God. I mean, it, it's, it's the, the best-selling book out there for a reason, you know? It's the only book I've ever found that's alive. You know, and, and, and one of the best, I will tell you, one of the best decisions that you can make, especially young people, the best, one of the best decisions you can make is just to choose to be a consumer of the Word of God every day, lavishly, for your whole life. Just don't stop every day. Because if you'll do that, what, what you'll find is that that Word will become, it'll become part of you. You know, when you have temptations, that Word will rise up and speak to you, speak to those temptations. You got problems, it'll rise up and speak to those problems. If, if somebody needs answers in your life, it'll rise up and give answers to them through you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, it is uh, to consume the Word your whole... I mean, think about it. Try to imagine... I mean, if you're a lover of the Word of God and has been consuming that, you're all, try to imagine life without the Word of God. I can't even fathom that, honestly. 
Praise God, we don't have to, we'll never have to. But think, I mean, you want, your, you want some appreciation of the Word if you're a student of the Word? Imagine life without it. It's a big dish on the table of the Lord. Big dish. Anyway, so I was, I was, uh, been, I was just looking, you know, and studying some of the things about the, uh, about the table of the Lord. And well, as I, as I got into it, I, uh, one morning, um, I, uh, I had a, I guess I would call it kind of a, I just heard a story. I heard a parable early in the morning. And, you know, I'd seen, I'd been seeing a lot of these things that were on the table. I mean, you can think of it, love, joy, peace, you know, rest, uh, you know, thanksgiving, long-suffering, mercy. I mean, just you can just start thinking of things that were on the table. And you can think of things that were not on the table, like worry and anxiety and you know, uh, fear, anger, you, you could, you, you can see it. And it's like this, as I began to study it, those things would start speaking to me. I would, I would venture into, to worry, or I would venture into anxiety. I said, ah, that's not on the table. I got to see it at the table. What am I doing reaching over here and scooping something in off this table for? That's not on this table. Now what's on the, what's on the table of the Lord is the good stuff. You know, it's kind of like, Grandma's table. You know, you get you get the you know, you get the big fat ribeyes and the all the good stuff, you know. But so as I was one morning I was I, I had been really studying this for quite a while. And I saw this uh or heard this parable and, and I didn't really have a vision. You know, it it wasn't like I mean I've had some visions in in my Christian life, but it, this wasn't really that. It was more like I was hearing this parable and I was seeing in my mind's eye real clearly, you know, just kind of like if I said, think of a Dalmatian dog, well, you'll, you could put it in your mind and see that spotted dog. Well, it was like that. This whole story was just kind of like that. That makes sense to you. But anyway, in this story, I, uh, I saw this man, okay, and he was standing. He was standing in front of this big Jasper wall, okay, Beautiful green, it was jagged, and the sun was hitting it and shining off the faces of those rocks or whatever. And there was a set of an embankment of windows that's 10 foot up on the wall or so. And this man, and he was a he was a born-again, blood-bought believer, okay? Um, he was standing in front of that wall and he was looking up at those windows. And it's like he was. He was trying to get those windows to pour out on him. And I knew, I just knew from hearing the parable, this was, this was the, the windows of heaven that you hear talked about in Matthew, I mean, in Malachi chapter three, I'll pour out of the windows of heaven till you can't contain it or whatever. He was looking up at those windows and I could tell he was getting frustrated. He was, he was wanting those to pour out. And if you've been in my Bible study classes, you, you've heard some of this, but it'll, it'll bear repetition. You'll, Sometimes you need to hear something more than once. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, he, he, you know, he was getting, I could tell he was getting more and more frustrated. And after a little bit, 
the Holy Spirit spoke up on the inside of this man. You know how he, he, he didn't hear an audible voice, but you know how the Spirit is within us. We'll get a witness of that Spirit, and we'll just have a knowing of what the Spirit's saying to us. Well, that's what happened to this guy. And the Spirit spoke to him and said, why don't you crawl up that wall, put your hands on the windowsill, raise yourself up to that window, and look in that window. And he said, you know, that's a good idea. I, I want to see what the holdup is here. You know, maybe that'll let me know what's going on. You know, you can just kind of see it on him. So he does it. He shinnies up that wall, grabs a hold of the shinny. That's a good Texas word, right? Yeah. Uh, grabs a hold of that windowsill, pulls himself up to the window. You know, he's kind of one eye shut and kind of turned his head a little bit because he knows he's about to peer in there, not sure what he's going to see. And he looks in the window, behind that window of heaven. He sees this grand, grand room, okay? Big, long table of the Lord sitting there. Throne-like chairs all around it. His eyes went down the window, down the room, down the table, and off to the right, at the end, he sees the Father, and it's just blinding light that he can't even, you know, he can't even see the actual Father. It's so much, so bright of a light, he just, his breath goes from him. He just, he's just undone. He can't, he, it's like he's, he's going to lose consciousness and, you know, fall off the window. And so, after, I mean, he, this goes on for a bit, and then, and then he composed himself. And he looked to the right of the Father, and he saw Jesus. And again, it was the glory just emanating from, from Jesus to him. And it was all he could do to, to hang on to the window. He's just like he was undone, lost his breath. And he just, it was like he sensed the love coming from both Jesus and the Father, wanting him to understand, to have the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding of what he was struggling with when he was down on the ground looking up at that window. Okay, it was like he could just sense the love coming from them. They were wanting him to get it. Okay? He composed himself a little bit. Then he looked to the right of Jesus. And he saw himself sitting there. He saw his inner man, his born-again spirit that's already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 declares it to us. He was taken aback. It was like he, he kind of knew the scripture, but it never had really dawned on him intensely like he, had, like he was seeing there in that place. And he, he pulled focus, you know, his spirit. They kind of focused in, locked eyes, and, and his, his spirit man sitting there looked at him, and it was like, he was like, 
what are you doing out there? It was like, and it's like, renew your mind and come on in here. The double doors right over here are wide open. Renew your mind and come on in here. Behind the windows. And that was it. That was the end of the parable. Well, man, that got me going. <laughs> you know, I saw, I, I saw right away that I needed what, you know, that I needed to be a lot more um, aware of my spiritual position in Christ. You know, to fully function as a, as a, as a son of God, as, as my part of the body of Christ in the earth, I needed to, I needed to really be aware and more intensely understand my seated position already in that place. You understand, that's not something that God's going to do. He's already done that. We always think it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. No, it's already done. We just have to renew our minds and go on in there. That's where the table is. Pastor Steve said, look for the table of the Lord. How powerful is that to be? Well, if you want to, if you want to find it, you got to go on in there. That's that first word, you know, on our little ministry vision, intimacy, community, kingdom. That's the first word. You ever heard of first things first? Yeah. Intimacy. I was talking to my older brother a couple of days ago. We were just kind of what I call preaching at one another. <laughs> you ever do that with friends or family? Just kind of preach at one another? <clears throat> we, that's what we were doing. I told him the story. When I told him the story, when I finished kind of relaying to him what I just relayed to you, he told, he said to me, he said, you know what? He said, you know what that reminded me of? He said, that reminded me of Mephibosheth. Remember the story of Mephibosheth? That's not the easiest word to say. <laughs> I think I have to say it a few times to get the story across to you. But it's 2 Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. King Saul's grandson, right? He was lame in both feet. If you read the story, King David, he said, is there anybody from Saul's house left that I can be kind to, that I can show kindness to, right? Remember the story? One of his guys said, yeah, there's, you got Mephibosheth. He's living with so-and-so over here. He said, bring him. So they brought Mephibosheth. And David told him, he said, you're to dine at my table every day from here on out. This was what Mephibosheth said to him. What is your servant that you, should, that you should even look upon such a dead dog as I? 
That's what Mephibosheth said when he heard what David said. See, we're, we're, we're thinking about maybe something that, why we don't necessarily always go in there like we should. David said, or David looked at Mephibosheth in a different way than Mephibosheth looked at Mephibosheth. When David looked at Mephibosheth, he saw the son of King Saul, the grandson of King Saul. And he said, no, not only are you going to die, I want all of Saul's lands restored to him. I want all of you, this group of servants over here, I'm giving you to them. You're to work that land and bring all the produce from it to Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, you're to dine right here at my table every day. Mephibosheth, so, so sometimes I think we have kind of a Mephibosheth syndrome, you know? The truth is, we need to see that we belong, not because of how good we are or whatever, but because of whose we are. Yeah. It's not about what you've done or haven't done or what you said and hadn't said, you know, how good you've, how, how, how good you've done this or how bad you've done It's not about that. It's about whose you are. That's why we have the seated position. Because guess what? When God raised Jesus and his body, his, his whole body up and lifted him up, he lifted us up at the same time. He lifted us up at the same time. Sometimes I think we, we you know, some people have a problem with this, especially people that, you know, really have a sordid past or whatever. We think we got to clean up before we come to God. You don't have to clean up before you come to God. You just have to come. That's it. God's love will clean you up. In fact, His love will be so much that you won't think you have to clean up. You'll want to clean up because of His love. It'll be want to instead of have to. Oh, I'm afraid I'll have to do this. I'm afraid I'll have to do that. Just come. That's it. Just come. You know, you. that's why it's so important to study the Word of God. There's, it's so packed. You know, some people say, well, I have a hard time hearing God. Well, He's talking on every page in here. Every page. You want to hear God? Start reading. He speaks on every page. You know, I mean... I think it's Psalm 138. It's declared of God. He said, I esteem and magnify my word above all my name. God said that. It's declared that God said that. I esteem and magnify my word above all my name. I put that in my meditator one time and just meditated until my meditator just wanted to fall off on the floor beside me, you know? And what I came away with was something real simple. If God esteems it and magnifies it, I'm going to too. If he esteems it above all his name, it's worth, it's worth consuming daily, lavishly, 
another plug for the Word of God. Um, so anyway, you know, we, we, I saw, after seeing that, you know, after seeing that position, I mean, that, that picture, that parable, one of the things I saw on the table of the Lord was authority. Our authority in Christ. Big old dish full of that sitting on the table. And so I thought it'd be good to, to talk a little bit about authority and, you know, where we get it from. And if you look, uh, if you're open to Ephesians chapter 1, what I thought we would do, and, and you know, we have a, we typically don't have a problem understanding this about Jesus. Although I want to set some of the authority just scripturally for you, set some of the authority that Jesus had has. We typically don't have a problem with it. Where we have a problem with it is when it comes to us. You know, we'll struggle with, you know, even we we were kicking this around in in the in our adult Bible study, we were looking at John 14, 12, you know, that scripture that says, the works that I do shall you do also in greater works. You know, we kick that around. It's like, you know, we, there are people, and I'm in the group over time, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we have, how do we do greater works than Jesus? You know, you ever thought, thought about it like that? Again, what that does is it separates us from the body as the body of Christ. We're thinking Jesus is right here and we're way over here. No, no. He's the head and we're the body. You ever seen a head just get up and walk out of the room without his body? <laughs> Have you ever seen a body get up and just walk out of the room without the head? No. So when we do the greater works, it's not us doing it in and of our own strength. We're doing it, we're doing it as part of, we're doing it as Christ, as the body of Christ. See, now... It's like you don't have to think of it, oh, Jesus is not involved at all. You're just doing all those greater works on your own. No, uh-uh. No. We're the body. And so all the more reason for intimacy, because as the body, we should be doing what the head says, right? Well, if you're not in communication, if you're not in communion, if you're not in fellowship, you know, I mean, how would you like it if you, you know, just randomly, your right fist doubled up and your arm and your right fist just punched you in the nose randomly every day. And you, you don't know when it's going to happen, but sometime during the day, you're going to roll up your fist and just pop. How would you like that? I mean, I've been popped in the nose before. It, it's, you know, it's not, it's not fun. Pretty soon I'll be I think I'd be tying this thing behind my back. So you want relationship. You want that intimacy so that you can, you know, so that you can properly operate as your part and piece of the body of Christ. So you're in, you're in Ephesians 1. Let's look, at, let's look at some of the Scripture on this. Let's look. At verse 16 of chapter 1. Okay, this is a prayer. We've heard it, we've heard it prayed 
over and over. A lot of you, I mean, we, we pray this all the time. This, uh, this prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians in chapter 1. There's another one in chapter 3. These are two prayers. I mean, we pray these all the time. But ha- I want us to, and they're very telling scriptures, though, about for what we're talking about. So look there in verse 16. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So, this, this, uh, this scripture, um, you can tell right away, He wants wisdom and revelation about the knowledge of Him, Him being Jesus. Okay? What you can take from that is God wants us to know. Okay, we're going to find out in the rest of this prayer, we're going to find out what it is and what's the concept around what it is he wants us to have wisdom and revelation about. Okay, keep that in your mind as we're reading the rest of this. So he says, uh, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, understandings included in this, be enlightened, that you, know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's us. That's the body. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? That's, that's where, that's what, you understand, that's what authority is. It's delegated power. When you have authority, take a police officer. You've probably heard messages on this before. It's a great example. Take a police officer, that, officer that's standing out in traffic, holding up traffic, Right? Okay, well, they don't, have, they don't have the power to hold back the cars physically, but they've got the authority because of what stands behind them, right? So that, that's what you think of, power, delegated authority. Think of it like that. So, so the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him, and here we go, this is where Jesus is, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. So where's Jesus? Far above. All power. All principalities. All dominions. Every name that's named. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. That's pretty plain. The fullness of him who fills all in all. He put all things under his feet. Well, hello, feet. Yeah. Now going down, now going down to the just, I mean, this doesn't end with the chapter, the concept, I mean, the whole context just continues on here. And he made you alive 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, see there, you, you, don't, you don't have to clean up to come. You just come. He made us alive, and get this, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up together. Raised, past tense. It's not something he's going to do. He's done it. That's why he saw, that's why when he looked in the window, he saw himself sitting there. He was there. Flip a couple pages over to Colossians. We'll establish just a little bit more on this. And look in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1. Paul's telling basically the same thing to the Colossians, just a little bit, a little bit different lingo. Look in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's pretty powerful. And he is the head of the body, the church. There's you another witness, that we are the church. I mean, we are the body of Christ. That's the church. The church is us who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Now go, now go to uh, Colossians chapter 2 and look down to just 13. I mean, there's all kinds of great stuff in between, you know, where, where we stop there and where we're going to now. I, we just don't have time to look at it all. But it's, you should, you should read through that because, I mean, there's, there's, some, there's some real power-packed verses in Colossians 1 and 2. But look in verse 13. This will sound familiar. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses and wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And here's the, here's the kicker. And having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Praise God. So, see, we, we, don't, necessarily, we don't necessarily have an issue with Jesus, but that, we just, we just saw it. I mean, and there, and this, is just a, this is just a sprinkling of scriptures you could quote about where Jesus is at. Where we get into the issue is when we start thinking about ourselves as his body. 
Well, that's Jesus, brother. You know, he's got the spirit without measure, and that's not us. We can't do it. No, we're the body of Christ. We can. He wants us to. I remember I sat under John Osteen from 1990 to about 1996. And I love John because he was an old Baptist guy. And he knew, you know, he'd come to Pentecost. And he knew just how to teach an old Baptist boy some of that stuff going into Pentecost. You know, we, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we all have to come through the cross, right? We all have to come through the cross. But that's just the start. That's the birth. You know, then we go to Pentecost. I mean, I remember when I came to Pentecost, it wasn't, it wasn't originally. I came on through and had, you know, got filled with the Spirit. I mean, that, that made a big difference in, our, in my life. But I got news for you. We don't stop there either. We got to go on up and be seated. There's another glory. There's always another glory. Always. You're never going to, you know, we're never going to exhaust the glories of God in our life, believe me. But anyway... We, have a, we, we tend to have an issue with, you know, really seeing that, really getting a hold of it and seeing that, you know, it's not, and that's the thing that John Austin used to say. He said, look, you don't bring glory to God by leaving on the table what's been suffered you to have freely. In false humility or whatever it is, you know, you're thinking about, of why I can't, you know, that word I can't, that's a lie from the, from the pit of hell. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But you don't bring glory to God by leaving that stuff on the table. What brings glory to God is taking all those things that were suffered us to have freely because of His love for us, picking it up and walking in it and being that body that functions with the head there's no lone rangers in the body of Christ. No, you've got, you got a part and parcel to play, and you're to, hear, you're to hear from the head and operate from that head. You can't do that without the intimacy. You can't do that, you know, without the, that koinonia, that love relationship. And that all starts where, where I've, what I've been plugging, this, this written word of God. You got to make that a staple in your daily life. It's about the third time I've hit that. I hope you know, I think that's highly, highly important for a successful Christian life. So, all right, so let's, let's look at something. Now, now flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to show you, show you a little something about the body just to prove that up for you. If you want to see it in your own Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look in verse 12. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So also is Christ. That's pretty plain. That's pretty plain. Look at verse 27, same chapter. Now you are the body of Christ 
and members individually. There it is again. Yeah, I'm not good at following notes. I got a bunch of notes, but I'm not too good at following them. And then you know the scripture over in Ephesians 6 that it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You know, that's another thing that I think we, we start seeing, maybe we start seeing ourselves as the body, but then we, you know, it's like, how am I going to do that? Well, you're not. Even Jesus, you know, even Jesus said the son of himself can do nothing. The father in him, he does the works. Even Jesus said that when he was operating in his earthly ministry. This says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not your might. It's not my might. It's not your strength. It's not my strength. It's his strength. It's the strength of the Lord. It's the strength of his might. That's what we operate in. It's no different than that same hand that was, you know, Clenching as a fist, if it's operating properly, and my brain tells it, pick up the, you know, pick up the water bottle, bring it up to my mouth, and take a drink of cold water. It does it. And that bottle of water has no, it has no power against it. You know, sometimes, you know, we it's like how you ex, how do you exercise that power? How do we exercise that authority? Well, it's, you know, it, it, a lot of times it involves speaking. In fact, all the time it involves speaking. Can you imagine Jesus standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus, just standing there and never saying anything? Would Lazarus have come forth, you think? I don't think so. And like uh, Peter, when he walked through the gate, beautiful. Remember the lame man that was laying there at the gate? It says, the scripture says, Peter fixed his eyes on him. You ever seen somebody that, you know, they, or even yourself, just think about it. When you fix your eyes on something, usually you're thinking, you're listening. You know, and, and I think Peter was, he was listening. It didn't really explicitly say it in the scripture, but one of these days, I bet when we sat down with Peter and said, Peter, when you walked through the gate and you fixed your eyes, what, what was going on right there? But I bet he'll tell you, I got a witness. I got a witness. Because if you think about it, Peter probably... Walk that track a lot of times. If you think about it, he's probably seen that guy. He's there every day. But on this day, when he fixed his eyes on him, it rose up in Peter. And the guy, what, asked him for money, right? He said, I don't have any money, but what I got, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. You see, Peter didn't fall down on his knees in front of the man and look up to God and say, oh, Father, please heal this man of his... Now, I'm not saying the prayer of faith is not good. It just, that's not what was needed here in this situation. Okay, the prayer of faith works. James chapter 5. You know, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders. That prayer of faith works, but not, that, wasn't, that wasn't here. Why? Because Peter heard. He didn't fall down and pray. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. He said, what I've got, I'm going to give it to you. What did he have? He had authority. He had faith in the name of Jesus. And when you, hear, when you have faith, that means you've heard from God. Faith comes by hearing the word. 
Just like Jesus on the boat in the storm. He didn't fall down and say, oh, Father, please calm the storm. He said, peace, be still. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. He was supposed to go to the other side and minister to a madman. And that's what he intended to do. And if something got in his way, he was going to take authority over it. And that's what we, we're called to do the same thing. Make sense? The authority of the believer. It's on the table. It's on the table. Look for the table of the Lord. Amen? Well, what's the takeaway? Let me turn over here and I'll tell you. Well, I got it here somewhere. Just bear with me. Yeah. I wrote something here I wanted to read. A prayer. I tell you, this is a good prayer. Father, I want to recognize and be aware of your table and my access to it. I want to be aware of my seated position. I want to get real with you and learn more and more about my authority in Christ. I want to learn when and where to exercise. I want to develop a hearing for exercising my authority in Christ in the earth while it's my turn on the earth. That's a good prayer. Amen. I don't know where you're at with the, you know, with your, their walk, your walk in this. Obviously, I, the Lord had, you know, kind of alerted me to this and, and, and said, I need you to go back and brush up on the basics. And I've been doing that. And as I've been doing it, you're hearing some of the things that, you know, the Lord's been teaching me over about the last year and a half, two years. But do, we do have authority. And we need to start. In, the, in these last days, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be demanded that we exercise and walk in it. If we don't, it's going to be like, it would be like Jesus standing in front of Lazarus and not saying a word. It comes through us. We, we are the body of Christ. It's not a figure of speech. It's just not. Let's all stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.